Welcome to the Wellness Hub Podcast with your hosts, Natalie and Emily. We hope to inspire families to nourish their body, mind, and spirit and become advocates for their own health. On the Wellness Hub, we'll be sharing resources to support you and your family on your health and wellness journey. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wellness Hub podcast. My name is Dr. Emily Brownlee. And I'm Natalie Reed. And today's a little bit more of an informational episode, uh, a little bit less of an interview, because we have so many things within our um, practices that we really want to discuss and kind of teach all more about. Um, So today isn't necessarily really an interview, but I kind of want to just discuss what a pelvic health physical therapy evaluation looks like. Um, So if anybody were interested in it or had some questions or maybe were kind of apprehensive about something like that, maybe you'd get a clearer picture of what all that involves um, and what to expect. So before I begin, Nat, do you have any questions about about that at all before you not yet i feel like once you get into it i'll definitely have some pop up i'm just really excited that that you are going to be able to go through this because i feel like it's something that's not really talked about yeah but it's something that's so necessary and i didn't even realize how necessary it was until i met you i knew about it you know i had worked with chiropractors and acupuncturists before and it definitely was a topic that was kind of um on the forefront there but as far as what it looks like or as far as everything that it can help um i still have um a lot of questions with that so i'm really excited and i'm sure our listeners too um might not be as familiar with it so yeah well and it's an evolving field for sure so the way i do it may be different than how other people do it um and what i know how to do is probably skimming the surface realistically, but I think just with these new skills I've learned, I've really advanced what I can figure out about a patient's body and and how to heal it. So um, it's really exciting to me. And a little back story, this was not originally what you um, were doing with physical therapy, right? You kind of shifted just here recently. Yeah, I, I did pretty much strictly orthopedics before this. Um, I did a rotation in pediatrics and neuro and acute care, um, but orthopedics was really my passion. I'm, you know, a fitness junkie. I love lifting and running and um, athletes were kind of the population I was super interested in, but also, you know, prehabbing, rehabbing surgeries and things. Um, So this was kind of something that came up because a lot of our really good friends started having babies and then started having questions about, you know, well, why is it doing that? What could I do about this? And I didn't have good answers. So that's kind of why I pursued this education. Um, And that's a specific training, right? mm -hmm. Not everybody who does physical therapy is trained as far as you are as the public health. Correct. Um, Technically, anybody can do it, but I think you really should be trained um, because it is a totally different skill set than anything I learned in school. We very briefly covered it in a lecture format, but no lab content. And I feel like this um, really, when I think about anything I do in orthopedics versus what I do in pelvic health, it's night and day, like the skills that you need to have. And I feel like if I hadn't had somebody watch me do those skills and say, yes, you're doing that correctly, that I really have no business doing it um, because it's very intimate and private and personal. Um, You're not just testing someone's shoulder strength, like you're, you know, very intimately in areas where they're, you know, maybe not super comfortable with people being, um, and they might be in pain. They might have um, previous memories and things come up. So it's something that you really need to be trained in in my opinion, to be practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a route through Herman Wallace that a lot of PTs use. Um, I use the route through the APTA, which is our national organization. Um, and I really enjoyed the way they did it and um, that they had an in-person lab where they physically came by and checked all of our skills and made sure we were doing them correctly and gave us feedback. So that was really important to me. It wasn't just an academic, but it was a hands-on 
training and competency check off. So yeah, I think with anything, having that hands on lab is just so important. It's like you can read however many books, but when you go to do it, there will be questions, there will be issues that come up. And if you don't have somebody helping you with that, then you're kind of just blindly (laughs) going through it. Well, and especially for me, it's a part of why I was hesitant to do it in the beginning was I thought that is a liability landmine. (laughs) Because, you know, what if somebody takes something that you're doing the wrong way and like feels like it's inappropriate when it's really intended to be for purely medical purposes? Um, But I mean, again, it's in private areas. So Um, having that training and having somebody with a lot of experience, having watched my techniques and saying, yes, that is the correct way to do it. You are doing that right. Um, was really important to me, um, personally, professionally, and for liability reasons, um, as I'm sure you can understand. Absolutely. And so along with, before we hop into the eval portion, along with, um, pelvic floor physical therapy, you also do um fitness right and so a lot of that can you just kind of talk a little bit about that and how um the relationship between fitness and pelvic floor um is so important yeah and i think that would be another really great episode to go into like definitely what all is involved in that because that's a whole other can of worms um but so i got my pre and postnatal fitness certification um because a lot of my patients i would see were technically not symptomatic anymore, but they still really needed some guidance on how to maintain the strength and flexibility and stability and everything that we had accomplished together in PT. And maybe the PT exercises had even become a little bit too, you know, simple for them and they needed more challenging things um, on an ongoing long-term basis. And so I thought being the coach is kind of the natural progression for that because in the PT world, if it's not therapeutic, if it's not necessary from a symptomatic standpoint, it's it's not billable. Um, that is insane to me. Well, and I, I can kind of see both sides of it um, because we don't want to be treating patients for years. Like right. that's not appropriate. Um, that's kind of an abuse of your position in my opinion, but... I don't think that that's all that people need. So for me, that was kind of how I solved that dilemma. Mm -hmm. So if you're symptomatic, then you're a patient of mine. If you're asymptomatic, then you're a client. Okay. Um, And so for clients, I have a pregnancy program that I put them through. It's a 14-week really individualized program. We we discuss kind of what their background is, what they enjoy doing, um, and we incorporate everything from breath work, pelvic floor stuff, um, dynamic mobility, foam rolling, warm-ups, um, strength training, cardio, etc. Mm-hmm. And then we even like discuss a bunch of topics about pregnancy and how that relates to your to your body and the changes and what to look out for and things to kind of ease their mind about Um, fitness because sometimes women are really hesitant to push themselves during pregnancy. Um, So we kind of discuss the the realistic standards you should judge your your, um, fitness by during um, pregnancy. And then there's also a postpartum program called the Mama Bear Boot Camp. And that's a 12-week program. And it's very similar but it's the postpartum side of that. So we talk about diastasis recti and um, prolapse symptoms and you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and so ideally, um, or I guess, do you see this, um, with your clients, but, um, if you had someone coming and doing your pre-pregnancy program or during pregnancy program, mm-hmm. um, hopefully that would lower the risk of needing pelvic floor therapy. Yeah. And then they could do that um, after pregnancy program to make sure all of that is still strengthened. Or do you still see a lot of people needing a little bit of therapy in between? Just and I guess it, it has to vary based on their birth and all the yeah um, all those variables there. But it really does because like no two people are going to be exactly the same, um, and even no two pregnancies are going to be exactly the same. Like. You know, having just finished my own pregnancy, I have no idea what my next one's going to look like. It may be totally different. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's definitely no, you know, 
hard and fast rule, mm -hmm. but just like with anything orthopedic, if you prehab things, then the actual procedure is going to go better and you're going to have better results afterwards. Um, because like I like to use the analogy of a car crash, which maybe isn't very uh, empathetic, but um, you know, if you think about like, if you're in really good physical condition and you're really fit and you've taken really good care of yourself, if you have something crazy, like a car crash happen, you statistically are going to do better and recover better and have fewer injuries or less severe injuries than if you were in a really bad condition to begin with. And those structures are not kind of like, um, making deposits into your bank account and then taking a withdrawal. Like what you have put into your bank account sets yourself up for success if you need to make a big withdrawal. And I think pregnancy, birth, accidents, um, surgeries, anything like that is like taking a big withdrawal from your account. And so what you've put in really makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, so having done like the pregnancy program I think would really set yourself up for success, um, especially if you're wanting to have future pregnancies as well. Um, that's kind of a theme I hear over and over is like, you know, it kind of got a little bit harder with mm -hmm. each pregnancy or like they had more and more symptoms um, just because the body had been through a lot. Um, so I think starting off with this, maybe even before your preg first pregnancy, if you could, mm -hmm. would probably help you a whole lot. Yeah, I think pre preparation is just something that's, overlooked is the word um but you know normally a symptom pops up and that's when we start treating and that's yeah. when we start looking at options to help um and i see that as far as nutrition goes too it's like you know if we are fueling our body our body with nutrient dense foods um from the beginning then during stressful times and things like that where our body takes hits from other things um it'll have that strong foundation and that's what that sounds like as far as like the prehab having yeah. creating that foundation so Absolutely. um it can be strong even through accidents or surgeries or something yeah. like that so. and i like to say there's never like too little too late like mm -hmm. even if you've had you know six pregnancies like it doesn't mean that you can't you know get benefits or that you can't improve symptoms you may have but, you know, a proactive approach is always going to end up having better results, in my opinion. Definitely. Definitely. But. And so as far as the um, evaluation goes, can you just mm -hmm. run us through kind of what that looks like? And if someone was um, was needing one of these or like the symptoms that they would have that would, mm -hmm. um, you know, spark them to be like, maybe I should contact Emily for an sure. evaluation and. Um, kind of how all of that works. Yeah, so it varies widely, and it's not just for moms by any means. That's just kind of the um, population most people think of. Um, but if you are having urinary incontinence, meaning that you're peeing your pants, um, whether that's when you cough, sneeze, jump, um, or kind of randomly, you can have um, really strong urges to pee when you're not wanting to. Um, you can have a difficult time peeing, like you're having to really exert yourself. Um, and kind of the same, on the same side of that, you know, with uh, a defecation, you know, if you're constipated or if you're having incredibly runny stool or if you're having painful stool or, um, there, it, it's a wide spectrum with everything because a lot of it has to do with muscles. So muscles can either be too tight or too weak. And either side of that is going to cause some pretty significant problems. But you'll just see the opposite symptom. Um, you also can have pelvic pain. So whether that's in the joints of the pelvis, like pubic symphysis syndrome or um, sacroiliac joint dysfunction, or SIJ is kind of what people hear. Um, so that's more with the bones and the joints themselves. Or you can have pelvic pain where the muscles and the skin are super sensitive and tender. Um, and sometimes women will notice that with intercourse or with inserting a tampon or even wearing tight clothing. Like they'll just feel like it, it really, really hurts or it's super sensitive or maybe even like a burning kind of feeling. Um, and 
you can also have like a feeling of heaviness. This is really common, especially after um, delivering vaginally. Like sometimes you'll kind of feel like, uh, I feel like stuff's trying to come out, you know, and I don't know what that is or how to stop it. And it's kind of scary. Um, usually that resolves completely on its own, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, so when it doesn't, then that's when we kind of take a closer look at if you maybe have some prolapse and what we can do for that. Um, and so do regular MDs or OBs, do they refer to physical therapists or pelvic floor PTs normally? Is that something that they should? Um, I think more of them are starting to, thank goodness. Um, it's something that I know like in some European countries or in Australia, that's like their normal procedure is Mm -hmm. once you have a baby, you go to pelvic health PT. Um, but that isn't necessarily how things go here. But I have been really happy that a lot of OBs have reached out to me um, because there aren't a whole lot of pelvic PTs in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. And so they've been going, I've got to find a place to put my patients. Um, and some of the other um, PTs have been really, really slammed, whereas I just got off of maternity leave, so I'm not uh, slammed. Um, so fortunately, it's becoming more common but I think a lot of people just don't even really know about it. And so they don't know it's an option. So they get put on medications or they get told to take more fiber mm-hmm. or whatever. And like, that doesn't really solve the problem. Yeah. So, yeah. But so I, I do offer free consultation. So a lot of the time that's how people find me. So sometimes we discuss kind of what they're going through in that case. And I try to kind of, discern does this sound like something that their physician needs to look at first or is this something that's appropriate for me to look at um because if it's like potentially an infection or something like that where they're going to need medication to treat it then i like to have them cleared by their ob or gynecologist or whoever first Um, but if i'm thinking it could be muscular or joint or whatever then that's certainly within my wheelhouse Um, And so I kind of get like what their primary problem is, and we kind of discuss that, how long it's been going on, um, if they can find any pattern to it, that kind of thing. And we certainly work on other things, but we try to focus on one thing at a time, um, because sometimes if you fix one problem, it resolves other problems. Yeah, like that domino effect. And correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like in our first... um, podcast with you you mentioned that uh pelvic floor health also had a lot to do with back pain and mm-hmm. things like that i feel oh, like yeah. that's not something that you think of when you think of pelvic floor pt yeah and i think you know we kind of call it pelvic floor pelvic health because it's like that's what we do that's so different but really we're addressing the core and the core is not one or two muscles it's several that work together dynamically to measure to to measure to um to um transmit all of the pressure in your abdomen um and so that's how like we can lift heavy things and not throw out our back and Mm -hmm. stuff like that so there has to be a symbiotic relationship between all of these muscles to do their jobs correctly so you have you think about like a house the roof is the diaphragm which is the muscle that you know, goes up or down depending on how we're breathing. And then the bottom, so the, the ground floor, the, um, the floor of the house is your pelvic muscles. So everything that holds all your organs in that allows you to urinate, defecate, have babies, etc. Um, and then you have your abdominal muscles in the front, um, specifically your transverse abdominus, which kind of runs more like a corset, um, is aver- adverse to the... Um, rectus abdominis which is your six-pack muscle um and then you have in the back your multifidi muscles which are kind of along your spine and so all of these muscles coordinate to transmit forces like when we're running that's why we don't just destroy our knees or our back or whatever because those forces can be transmitted and absorbed and put back out um or if we're lifting something heavy or carrying a baby or trying to go to the bathroom or anything like that, all of those muscles are involved in all of those processes. And actually, even if you're just sitting here and you reach for a cup, 
your pelvic floor is going to contract first before any of your other muscles. It's wild. So it's it's very intimately a part of everything we do, but we just don't think about it because it's so automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have a process like a major surgery or childbirth or pregnancy or whatever, that can really disrupt the connection from our brains to those muscles. And so we might have to kind of reteach the body, hey, this is what we're supposed to do. Um, so hopefully it can become automatic again and we don't have to think about it and go on with our lives. Yeah, um, I feel like that needs to be something that's taught. I just look back at like our high school workouts and I don't feel like they were pelvic health centered at all. No. And you think that you should start back then, you know, like yeah. back when you're that young to help um, create a strong foundation when you're older. So hopefully oh, yeah. that finally like eventually makes its way way into that curriculum. Yeah, because actually this weekend, um, I'm taking a pediatric course in this. Awesome. So, which I'm really excited because, you know, obviously kiddos have all the same muscles and organs and everything that we do, but we're definitely gonna treat them in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Um, I would never do a vaginal exam on, you know, a child under a certain age that wasn't, you know, ready for that. Yeah. Um, So you have to really think carefully about how you say things, how you examine things, how you treat things. So I'm really interested to kind of learn more about that. But even like bedwetting um, or like some teenagers when they're running, they have some um, urinary symptoms that come up and some of that can be totally preventable. So I'm really excited to learn how to help, how to help those kiddos. but yeah, so we kind of go through like what their their main problem is and try to address that first. We go through any of their history, um, like their medical history, um, their pregnancy, their deliveries, etc. Um, and I also like to kind of take a look at like what is their overall health like? What is their sleep like? What's their diet like? What are their stress levels? Because the pelvic floor really holds on to stress as I'm sure you've seen with all sorts of other stuff it's like the body keeps score it really does so like if you're one of those people that has super tight shoulders a lot of the time you have a very overactive pelvic floor I found so I just heard from someone I can't remember totally blanking who was talking to me about this but they mentioned um having a really tight jaw Mm-hmm. You know, like TMJ type symptoms can be pelvic floor related. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because if you think about it, if you're just wound really tightly, your nervous system is part of that mm-hmm. process. Well, your nervous system supplies your muscles. So there are a lot of places where we see that kind of come out, unfortunately. So that kind of gives me some more clues of like what to look for and maybe some patterns that I might pick up on. Um, I have them kind of label where they're feeling their pain or their symptoms and I have them kind of describe them. Are they burning, numb, sharp, dull, etc.? cetera? Um, I watch their breathing pattern. So this is something I try to do when they're not really aware um, because once somebody is like, hey, I'm going to watch you breathe, you breathe differently. Um, but to see like, are they using their diaphragm effectively? Are they chest breathing? Um, what's the rate of it like? I watch them walk and see if I notice anything in their gait. Um, I'll have them do some squats. Um, if they have anything else they do often in their daily routine, like if they have a specific profession where they have to do something, I like to see them do those movements to see if anything kind of stands out. Um, I take vitals if I feel like that's necessary. Um, I try to kind of gauge like where their where their mental status se- seems to be, uh, what their endurance looks like all that kind of stuff, look for any systemic signs, um, like their skin, um, skin appearance and temperature and things like that. Um, and then I just kind of do a general upper extremity, lower extremity strength and range of motion screen, um, to see if there's anything wildly off there. I, I pay more attention, especially to like the hips and the spine. Um, but if they're having any issues, I mean, honestly, even at the ankles, like that could be part of what's going on. So I maybe don't address that immediately, but 
um, that's something that I want to make sure gets resolved because I don't like to just treat one part of your problem. I like to treat all of it. Um, so I go through the spine and kind of look at all that. I look at your balance. Um, I look at your pelvic joints. So your pubic symphysis is in the very front um, of your pelvis. And then your SI joints are in the back. Those are really commonly um, painful during pregnancy or postpartum just because your pelvis gets kind of loosey-goosey to get ready to have a kiddo. Um, and so sometimes when you're like rolling over in bed or going up or down stairs or doing anything where one leg is moving separate from the other, you'll get a pretty sharp pain. So that's something I like to look for. And then I start um, palpating is what we call it, which is kind of feeling around to find landmarks um, on the body and see how things are feeling bony wise. Um, so I kind of look at your your spine, your pelvis, kind of see if there's any um, asymmetries, if anything seems kind of wonky, if something's gotten pulled one way or the other. Um, and that can be for a whole lot of different reasons, but just kind of taking notes of that. Um, again, examining the skin. So this is kind of more in the pelvic region, um, seeing if I see any kind of like maybe rash looking thing or reaction. Um, I'll do some sensation and reflex testing. So I'll kind of use like a Q-tip type of thing to make sure you have sensation everywhere because we know nerves um, supply the skin. And so if we have a, an issue where you can't feel something or you don't feel it as well, then that's something we need to look into. Um, and then reflex testing is really um, just understanding how the nervous system works. And so kind of like, you know, if you've ever had the hammer on your knee at the doctor's yep. office, there's a bunch of reflexes that are like that, but maybe you test them differently. Um, and so testing those just to see the health of your nervous system. Um, I screen for pain. So this tends to be about the time that uh, I kind of tell them, you know, hey, I'm going to give you this, this um, sheet and I'm going to leave the room. And when you're ready, I want you to take your pants and your panties off and lay on the bed and <clears throat> put the, put the um, sheet over you. And when you're ready, I mean, I'll come back in the room. And then when they're ready, I have them lift the sheet. And so I can see all of the structures I need to see. And I, with, you know, clean, fresh hands and, and gloves on my hands, I will very carefully and gently with permission feel around on their pelvic region to see if there's anything that's pretty tender um, because that gives me some other indications as to what could be going on. Um, I test the muscles from the outside first. Um, and then I kind of take a look at, without going internally yet, I want to see what your pelvic floor is doing from the outside. So I have you do what people, you know, probably know as a Kegel. Um, or I say, you know, I want you to try to stop the flow of urine. Like think like if you're peeing and you want to try to stop. Um, there are a lot of different cues, but just something to get them to contract that pelvic floor. Um, and I want to see that the, the perineum is, or the perineal body is a specific spot on the pelvic floor. And so I want to see that go up towards their head. So that tells me the muscles are engaging. Um, and then I also, sorry, our co-host is being fussy. <laughs> oh my little spot. <laughs> but, um, and then I also asked them to kind of bear down, like if they were trying to go poo. And I want to see that that floor is bulging, but that I don't see any actual prolapse of an organ or anything like that. So that's something I look for. I also ask them to cough because there is another kind of contraction that we call a knack and it's a rapid increase in our pelvic floor activity. And so this is what our body needs when we cough, sneeze, jump, do anything, you know, run, anything that's a high impact um, to not 
accidentally urinate is we have to have like a rapid contraction and it's a pretty like full strength contraction um so and then i also just kind of overall look at where does the perineal body sit at rest so those are some things that i look at externally before i really get into an internal examination just to kind of see the overall health of the activity of the pelvic floor um when i'm ready to do the internal examination um, and this is all stuff i make sure to explain beforehand we don't we don't educate on the fly this is something that you know patients know what to expect before we actually get into it so they know that they're comfortable with it and that they've um fully educationally consented um but i use a tiny bit of lubricant on my gloved finger and I use just the index finger and I tell them to tell me when they're ready and I insert my finger just the um, to the first crease of your finger and we kind of check the first layer of the pelvic floor so there are three kind of main layers that we we check and so I check <clears throat> if there's anything that's pretty sensitive if there's anything that feels like like texture wise, like really, really rough or way too soft or anything that kind of tells me like the muscle's not doing so well. Um, and then I also look for um, the strength of the muscles. So there's a scale called the perfect scale. So we look at <clears throat> power is the P. So that is like a maximal contraction, like give me all you got, squeeze as hard as you can. And I also test the right side versus the left side because sometimes you'll have a difference. Um, and so I kind of grade that. Um, I look at endurance. So how long can you hold that full contraction um, up to 10 seconds before about 50% of it, you kind of have to let it go a little bit. Um, I look at repetitions. So um, how many times can you squeeze that pelvic floor um, up to 10 repetitions and I have you relax four times in between each rep until you can't quite get to the same level anymore so like let's say I said um that was like a you know four out of five strength if you did one rep of four out of five two reps four out of five three reps four out of five but the next one was like a two then that no longer would be would qualify and we'd stop and that would kind of tell me how many repetitions you can do um i also look at a fast twitch contraction or a knack like we talked about so i have you cough and i see if your pelvic floor engages or not um and i look at can you do a quick full contraction let go and do that um for one second 10 times but the big thing with this is you have to be able to fully relax in between each contraction which can be really difficult um i look at um just making sure that the pelvic floor actually does you know go up towards your head when you when you contract it um i look at if your transverse abdominis if your abdominal muscles are engaging with your pelvic floor, if they're coordinating or not. And then I also look at um, the knack response again. So that's kind of some of the stuff I look at. So there's like power, like how strong is it? There's endurance, there's involuntary response, there's how many times can you do it? Um, so there's a lot of different kind of aspects to that and that kind of tells me maybe where the breakdown is from your brain to those muscles and what we need to work on um, as far as strength and coordination. Do you normally see one side being stronger than the other and if you do what what do you feel causes that? Is it like poor form when exercising or? It totally depends. Um, I feel like a lot of the time it's more you know present or absent like on both sides but if you had like a trauma during your birth or during a surgery or even like a hips hip 
injury or um, honestly, even if you have an SI joint that's kind of out of whack or something like that, that can disrupt the communication from your brain to those muscles. And so then you might have like one side that's working better than the other. Um, but a lot of the time I feel like it, it tends to be like both sides are underactive or overactive okay. unless there's been some specific thing that has happened. Um, but you obviously kind of treat that differently, whether it's one-sided or, or both sides too. Right. So um, depending on the cause. And then something else I look at is I look for um, organ prolapse. So I do that by inserting two fingers and having um, the patient bear down and seeing if the uterus or the bladder or the uh, rectum come down and push into my fingers. And if they do, how much? Um, because that tells me that there's, you know, some structural um, integrity issues that we need to address. Um, I also assess um, diastasis recti, which is a pretty hot topic with pregnancy and postpartum. Um, and realistically, you can have a little bit of separation and it not be a big deal. Um, well, I remember you saying that um, it's pretty normal for mm -hmm. people to have some sort of separation. And so taking a measurement before pregnancy is good. That way you're not coming back and trying to get back to, quote, perfect. And you right. never were, right? Yeah. Yeah, because anything under two fingers wide is totally normal. It's not, I mean, if you're having symptoms, that's a different story. But just because you have that separation doesn't mean that there's a problem. So, like, I could have one finger separation before pregnancy, mm -hmm. you know, and then something like 75 plus percent of women end up having diastasis recti because of their third trimester of pregnancy they really you know get that belly and it really really stretches um and then it typically goes back and heals but like if you didn't know you had one finger of separation and so then you're trying to get to zero fingers of separation that's probably not going to happen mm -hmm. and that isn't really the point the point is if it is symptomatic then that's what we want to watch for so but I do um, have them lay on their back, bend their knees, and have them just kind of do a little curl up where they just kind of bring their head up, not like a full crunch. And I check above their belly button, at their belly button, and below their belly button to see if my fingers sink into their midline, um, where their, you know, your abs connect at the linea alba. Um, so if they do sink, then that tells me the linea alba um, isn't... Um, doesn't have enough tension to do its job appropriately. And so we look for how wide is that and how deep is that as well. Um, and the big thing really with symptoms is like if you were doing a, an exercise and you had like doming or coning mm -hmm. in that region, um, sometimes you can kind of feel like kind of like the prolapse symptoms of like heaviness or like just kind of like, oh, that doesn't feel very um, stable in your abdomen, um, then that's kind of what we're looking for symptomatically. Um, I also assess the tailbone, which can be a big source of pain. Um, actually, sometimes with some of my lumbar patients, it really was more their tailbone was just a little twisted or a little off where it wasn't moving correctly that can even be a big deal with constipation actually if your coccyx isn't right. moving appropriately because it mm -hmm. has to be, I mean it's kind of like our tail right so if it doesn't move out of the way a little bit then you're going to have a harder time defecating um so I check you know with with your pelvic floor to see that it's flexing um and that when you're bearing down that it extends um, and it's not a whole, whole lot. It's very, very subtle, but it's something that I can detect um, internally with one finger and externally with my hand just to kind of see that it's doing its job. Um, so that's kind of the internal vaginal exam. Um, there is also an internal rectal exam, um, which I always do the vaginal exam first and kind of see what I can gather from that because I think it's a lot more 
Um, it's a lot more comfortable. It's probably something that people are more familiar with, like if they've been to an OB or a gynecologist, so it's not like something they've never experienced before. I will say, I think a vaginal exam by a public health PT is a lot more comfortable than a gynecological exam. We don't use forceps or anything, like we're using one, maybe two fingers ever. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be this really, you know, painful experience. If it is, then stop them and, and take a break and like discuss what you're feeling. Um, but a rectal exam is very um, uncomfortable for a lot of people just because it's so, it may not be something they've ever experienced. It's something that I think a lot of women even feel a little bit more like shameful about. Um, it can bring up kind of some emotions and things. So it's something I like to really, really discuss before I do it. But it can be really helpful because there are some muscles that you just can't quite really get to mm -hmm. from the vaginal exam, especially if they're having like some significant constipation or tailbone pain or things like that. Um, sometimes a rectal exam is necessary. So instead of them laying on their back, I have them roll on their side and give them a bunch of pillows to kind of get as comfortable as possible. Um, and I use a whole lot of lubricant on obviously a completely fresh pair of gloves um and you know tell i have them tell me when they're ready and i you know slowly insert my finger into the rectum i have them kind of bear down as i insert my finger to make it a little bit more comfortable for them and i kind of check like are there any trigger points in their anal sphincter is there anything that's painful tender um what is their contraction like? Is it pretty strong? Is it pretty weak? Um, I then, with their permission, go a little bit further and check the next level of muscles. Um, same kind of thing. See if there's any any pain, any tenderness, um, what the strength is like. And that, that just kind of progresses until I get up to the coccyx or the tailbone. Um, to make sure that that is moving well. Um, you can really, really feel it even better that way. Um, but again, that's not always necessary. You can, um, for some people, feel that fairly well with a vaginal exam. I do have very short fingers, so that works against me um, when I'm trying to really reach those, those structures. Um, but I have found a lot, and um, this was a big thing even for me when I was having this performed on me when I was being trained in lab. Um, we don't obviously probably think about these muscles a whole lot because they're, you know, not not um, external muscles. But if you have a little bit of tightness in one of these muscles, that can make a huge difference on your function. And even just a little bit of gentle pressure, sustained pressure, can really fix some of the tightness issues that you have and give you your function back. So a little bit of treatment can go a long, long way, even in these kind of um, maybe less common um, exam um, situations. It, it really can pay off a lot. And I feel like a lot of the time, even if there's some anxiety going into it, it ends up being so worth it that Patients are so, so grateful that they did it. And they're kind of like, man, I don't know what I was so nervous about. Um, and so based on these evals, um, that's when you create a treatment plan. And, mm -hmm. you know, everything's bio-individual, right? Correct. And a lot of the time, I'm a big believer in, like, I'm not going to just evaluate you and say, hey, this is what's wrong with you. Have a nice day. I'll see you later. Um, I like to at least get a little bit of treatment in on it while I'm working on it. And again, the nice thing is, especially like with a rectal exam, that's probably not something that you really just wanna do over and over and over. Um, Cause it's not everybody's favorite thing. But while I'm in there, if I detect something that's pretty tight or painful, then, you know, with permission, I'll kind of talk them through it and, and ask for permission, but I'll do a little bit of treatment while I'm already on the muscle. And so a lot of the time, they'll leave the evaluation feeling tons better and we'll kind of go, okay, let's see how much better you feel. Let's see um, how many se more sessions we really need to fix that problem and kind of how that relates to other problems you're having. And so we kind of develop a plan to solve 
all of the pieces of the pie, as you will, um, down the road. So, but this kind of gives me that, that really important knowledge of what's going on with the internal muscles that you just can't see, you know, mm -hmm. and um, you can hear symptoms and go, well, it's probably this or probably that, but really until you get your finger on it and feel it and feel them try to engage it, you don't really know if that's the problem or not. And this has been something I've found with like people thinking they know how to do kegels. And unfortunately, most people just don't know how they're doing them incorrectly. They're either using a bunch of other muscles or they're holding their breath or they're not even engaging the pelvic floor at all. They're just squeezing their, their bottom or their abs or something. Mm -hmm. um, but when you can have someone's finger going this, this is what you need to contract. Mm -hmm. And then you do, and you're like, oh my God, okay, I know what to do now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's there's really no other way to be 100% sure that you're doing what you need to do to heal. So it's... It's maybe a little taboo and a little out of some comfort zones, but it really, it can pay off tremendously um, in resolving symptoms and setting yourself up for success in the future. Because really, once you know how to engage it, you'll remember, you know, it'll click for you um, in a new way that it hasn't before. So you can always come back to that, you know, after subsequent pregnancies and things and go, okay, yeah, I know I need to do my my pelvic floor exercises and now I know how to do them so yeah we had a lot of um of clients that didn't know much about it and we had referred them out and they just said that um it was just life-changing for them and really they they might have had some of those symptoms before they were even pregnant mm -hmm. you know and then after pregnancy and all of that then it just um of course, they were exaggerated because, you know, she, they just went through um, through that whole experience. And so, yeah, I've just heard um, from quite a few women saying that it's something that they, they wish they would have had after their first child or yeah. even, like you said, preventatively, mm -hmm. just um, as far as like strength and foundation and all of that goes. Yeah, I, um, I think pelvic floor tightness is one of those things that a lot of people don't really think about, but it's really prevalent, especially in in um, us ladies who are high stress or like have a dance background, a gymnast background, that's uh -huh. really common. Um, but when those structures are too tight for a long time, that causes a lot of issues. Um, and I didn't even realize, cause I wasn't having like significant symptoms or anything, but when I went to my lab, I realized I was having kind of maybe subclinical constipation, like not, not bad, um, but constipation is really common in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I was pregnant at the time. Um, and even just when I had um, one of my fellow PTs do my rectal exam, she was like, hey, is this tender? I was like, um, yes. <laughs> and she said, okay, is it okay if I apply a little pressure and, and try to relieve it? And I'm, yeah, for sure. And she did, and it was like, wow okay, I didn't even know I wasn't feeling well, but I feel so much better now. Um, so I think, you know, even if you're not experiencing a ton of symptoms, if you if any of these things ring true a little bit, it's really worth kind of getting a consult and getting in before you're having like serious, like, oh my gosh, I'm peeing my pants all the time, or I can't have, I can't have sex with my husband because it's so painful or, you know, whatever like before it gets really significant it's sometimes you can just kind of nip those problems in the bud early on and that really serves you in the long run yeah and i think it's just important to reiterate that you don't have to be pregnant and you don't have to um you know have been pregnant to have issues that would um warrant a pelvic health pt right and again, there's a, there's a wide, wide spectrum. So whether things are too tight or they're not strong enough or anything in between, you know, even if it's just like your, your hip hurts, you know, it, it can be related. So um, it's just, it's, it's a cool new field that's 
fortunately gaining more traction. So I hope a lot of people take advantage of that and um, get some more insight into maybe what's causing their issues. Absolutely. And so if someone was interested, can you um, give them your contact and, you know, the best way to get a hold of you if they were looking for an eval or even just a phone call yeah. um, to learn more? Um, so my website is mamabearfitnessandphysicaltherapy.com. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, I'm Mama Bear fitness and PT because that was too many characters um, but there's a Calendly um, link on both of those to schedule a 30-minute consult or if you're on my website you can do that as well and that's 100% free one-on-one um, -on -one video or phone chat where we just kind of discuss what's going on and I try to kind of help you gauge if that's something that you want to pursue or if it's um, maybe something you need to call your physician about. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much. This was so educational and informational. I really think that, um, you know, there are a lot of women out there who either didn't know exactly what um, public health PT was, or they might have been a little bit apprehensive to um, reach out just because they didn't know exactly what it would look like. And this was just so thorough. And um, I feel like anybody listening would would feel comfortable um with kind of how it all works so yeah well and it's one of those things again like just because you come to a public health pt does not mean you have to have an internal exam like if you're not comfortable with it tell them you're not comfortable with it mm -hmm. um, it will limit how much they can really discern about what your body's saying um but maybe it's something that it takes you a couple of sessions to feel comfortable comfortable with that and that's totally okay um but just to know that those tools are out there and kind of the purpose of them um, for for investigating what your body is trying to tell us and what it needs. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll have to do another one um, here in the next couple of weeks on um, your fitness and how that relates to public health yeah. and all of that. But until yeah. then, thank you guys so much for listening. Yes. And next time we'll have to have something with Natalie's nutrition or Pilates or one of one of her topics as well but y'all have a great week and we will catch you next week